Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Psalm 100 is probably one of my favorite places to be in the Bible, and I want us to read it for you in your hearing tonight, and I want you to follow along as we look to the word of the Lord. In Psalm 100, verse 1, the Bible says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence. With singing, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. I want to talk to you tonight from a Bible study titled, Let's get close to God. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us access to you, Father. I pray tonight as we look to your word that you would be our teacher in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to do what we do. I want to take the Bible and I want to go through it and try to pull some things out for you. I want you to see how you can read the scripture and draw things from the scripture because you need to be reading the Bible every day. You need to feed your natural body. Uh, food and water every day you need to feed your spiritual man food which is the word of God we need to desire the Bible says the 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 milk that comes forth from this word and the meat that this word provides for us and with so many people being mad bitter disgusted so many people being upset frustrated so many people being excited happy so many people being all different types of emotions across the world Um, I hear so much complaining. I want us to look at a way to get closer to God, which I'll go ahead and give you the punchline. If you want to get closer to God, you got to get away from some stuff. Getting closer to God by very definition of the phrase means you got to move from where you are because God is not leaving his throne. God is where he is. And if you want to get closer to God, you need to move away, say away. You need to move away from where you are. You need to move away from what you're doing. You need to move away mentally. You need to maybe move away physically. You need to move yourself into a position where you can get closer to God. I've said it many times that if you want what others have, you have to do what they did to get it. And we've heard repeatedly, it's been said so much, that a good definition for insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting a different result. Now, sitting around uh, gossiping, complaining, being negative, being bitter, being wasteful, being gluttonous, being critical, being lazy, sitting around doing nothing, you know what that will get you. Because at some point, everybody has done some of that, if not all of that. And that's funny right there. Something, y'all, y'all didn't see what he said to his wife, but I did. I, it will get you. Isn't that funny right there? 
That's what you get sitting on the front row. But and telling the preacher your business before church. If you want better, you have to do better. See, here's what gets here, here's what we want. We want everybody else to do better. We want life to be better. We want God to shower down stuff on us with no effort. You cannot reap what you haven't sown. You, you can't grow a harvest without planting some seeds, and we need to do the right thing. We need to change. Say change. We've, we've got to do what the Bible says for us to do so we can have what the Bible says we can have. I don't see enough people happy in church. I don't see enough people joyful in church. I don't see enough people rejoicing. I don't see enough people positive. I don't see enough people living the abundant life. I see people struggling and holding on, and we need to make a change. We need to get close to God so that the world can know that our God is the real God. There's lots of false gods in this world, but we need to let people know that the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ is the true God, and the way to do that is to live out his word in front of people. And in verse 1, the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, comma. So we want to pause there. Well, you can see the last of it, uh, all ye land. So this, this phrase is for everyone. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Wherever you are, you should make a joyful noise. Now, a lot of people, especially choir folk, Love that verse and think that it's talking about singing when what it's really talking about is shouting. And in almost every other translation, it says shout joyfully unto the Lord or make a loud noise to God. Well, it's easy to make loud noises in my house because we're all men in my house. And we're just loud by, by gene pool. And we, we make lots of loud noises in my house. You may be a quiet person. You may be a loud person. But listen, being a loud person doesn't help me make a loud noise to God. It doesn't help me shout joyfully to God. I've got to channel my loudness in the right direction. You might be a quieter person than me. If you're a louder person than me, I feel bad for the people around you. But you might be a quiet person by nature. If you're quiet, that doesn't excuse you or give you a pass. You need to channel your loud noise in a joyful way to God. See, here's one of the things that a large percentage of, Christ, a large percentage of the body of Christ never does, which is shout to the Lord. You need to lift up your voice. Now, you can do that. Some of that can be done through singing, but not through staring at the ground singing. Not through barely opening your mouth singing. Not through going through the motion singing. We need, to, we need to rejoice from deep within us. We need to have a loud amount of joy that we direct before God. You know, if you get excited, I don't care what your personality is, you will get louder. You want to see a good example of that? Go, go to any third-grade graduation. I'm tired of third-grade graduating, fourth-grade graduating, fifth-grade. Everybody getting a plaque and a certificate. Everybody getting a you came to school, so we don't give you a ribbon uh, bonus trophy. Uh, but you w go watch that and, and let the principal stand up there and say, we're going to hold our applause until the end till all students are recognized. Bubba's dad don't care about that. Bubba's dad is going to scream yeehaw, ring a cowbell, and clap and shout and holler when Bubba walks across the stage. Okay? Taekwon's mom ain't no different. I mean, people get excited enough, they are going to be excited. for the. Don't let a grandparent get in the room when, when, when that child comes across. Ah, woo! 
baby! And it's going to be loud because of the joy. Joy bubbles up. Joy, joy needs a release valve. We don't really use them, I don't guess, in, in modern-day cooking anymore. Uh, but pressure cookers need a release valve. Pressure cookers need to blow off some steam every now and then. If you, if you build up and build up and build up, you need to learn how to release loud joy to God. And I see a lot of people releasing stuff into the earth, but a joyful noise is, is not usually what it is. But the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. This is for everybody. This is for every nation. This is for every ethnicity. This is for every personality. This is for quiet and loud people. This is for subdued and off the hook people. You need to make a joyful noise to the Lord. You need to talk to God. You need to say hallelujah to God. You need to say thank you, Jesus, and you need to say it loudly. And I wish, and I, I'm sure that uh, our worship elder and our praise team would would be glad if some people would be louder in their expression to God. You need to sing out to God. You need to praise the Lord. When we stand up and have our praise portion of the service, it ain't a praise portion if everybody's staring at the floor. It's just, you know, quiet singing. And we, we need to make sure that as, as we're being led to praise and worship God from the stage, that we let that not only fill the chairs, but be how we live. You need to be saying your praise to God every day. There's lots of different ways to praise the Lord. You can uh, get a series about praise. Uh, you go through the archives. You can find messages I've preached on seven different Hebrew words for praise. But one of the things the Bible says that we should praise him, and it describes what praise is. It's the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto his name. That is saying, thank you, Jesus. And I wonder, do you just walk around your house and say, thank you, Jesus? Do you just ever find yourself in the car, say, thank you, Jesus? Do you, ever, do you have a thank you, Jesus, in your mind? Do you have a thank you, Jesus, attitude? Do you have a thank God? You know, not just thank God it's Friday. Not just thank God for, for sunshine. But do you have a thank God in your soul that you let out so he can hear it and your ears can hear it? We, we got to do what the Bible says so we can have all the things that it promises. Verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Now, this, this is, each one of these verses is a message unto itself, but I want to get through the whole psalm tonight, so I'm just going to try to pique your interest. I hope you'll go back and read this psalm. I hope you'll go back and read it in whatever version of the Bible you like to read out of, and I hope you'll meditate on it, and I hope you will begin to do the things that this psalm tells us to do. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. I have been around doing this long enough to where I've heard people say many, many, many times, I'm just tired of being the only one that works in the so-and-so ministry. Well, quit. Because that's not, that's not serving with gladness. Well, I just don't think it's right. I'm the only one that ever shows up. If it wasn't for me, I don't know what this ministry would do. It would go on without you. It was here before you got here. And it would go on without me. Ministry is not dependent on us. This is the Lord's church. But we need to learn how to serve God with glad. Well, I guess I better go back tonight because you know there ain't going to be but five people there. There's more than five people there. And it's going to be there who God wants there. Serve the Lord with gladness. All right. 
Here's, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to get in your mind. If you can really understand he saved you when he didn't have to. If you can really do and, 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 and think about what Elder Robin was singing just moments ago. I'll never know how much it costs. If, if you really think about the price that God paid to allow us to have access to him. The payment that was made for us to have relationship with him ought to well up some gladness and some thanksgiving in your heart. It ought to well up some humility and some opportunity for you to say, I don't deserve your love, but I am glad to have it. I, we don't deserve to be able to serve the Lord. Do you realize that if you, go ahead and get unemployed. Get unemployed and, and see how many people are willing to let you serve them. It's hard to find a job in the natural. People look at our resume and think, nah, probably could do better. People get passed over for jobs in the natural, but God, the most high God, the only true God, the God who sits on the one throne in heaven, the God who created everything that is, the mountains and the seas and everything that exists on this planet, the God who balances the oxygen so that we can breathe, he, he allows us to serve him. He allows us to work in his ministry. He allows us to partner and collaborate. He allows us to get. Do you realize there are people that if you tried to pay their bills, if you tried to give them money, there are people that would be like, no, you keep your money. I don't need your help. You realize that people think that they are too good to employ you, too good to take your money, and too good to talk to you, but the God that is better than everybody does not see you that way. If you realize these things, you'll, 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 you'll be on your way. You'll be, you'll be possible, it'll be possible for you to begin to serve him with gladness. And if you don't realize these things, you're going to burn out in ministry and you are going to be mad at, at, at whatever it is that God has gifted you to do. You're going to find yourself mad at your servitude to God. That one thing that you were so thankful for that God blessed you with the ability to do when, when you were right with God, when you were fully in love with God, and you were so excited that God just gave you an outlet to do what he gifted you to do, you'll find yourself growing bitter and growing miserable on it and growing mad about it. Why? Because you're no longer serving God with gladness. And the only way to truly serve God is with gladness. God will not accept just anything. And that's what America and the world needs to understand. God is not so desperate for our love that he'll just take anything. See, you may be used to giving love to people any kind of way you want to. You may have accepted love from people that you knew was substandard, but you felt like it was all you can get. God doesn't need our love that way. God, God has set rules. God has set parameters on the love that he will accept. He said that the very prayer of the unrighteous people is an abomination unto him. God does not accept sacrifice from the wicked or from the half-hearted. And we need to know that God will only accept our servitude if it's offered with gladness. If you look at that original word for serve in verse 2, if you look at that Hebrew word for serve, it's translated many times in modern translations as worship. Because servitude to God with gladness is worship. Servitude to God with bitterness is not servitude to God with gladness is worship servitude with God with humility is worship servitude to God knowing that he deserves so much more than we could ever give him is the heart of what real 
worship is. Come serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. All right, now here's the thing. There are a lot of people that like to sing, and there are a lot of people that don't like to sing. And some people allow their personal preferences to shape their obedience. But I want you to know that is false and wrong. And you need to fear God more than you fear the police. Do you hear me? So you may feel like driving 80 miles an hour because you got a long drive from here to there. But I bet if that cop pulls up next to you, you don't drive 80 miles an hour. You may feel like driving 100. But I bet if that cop is riding right up behind you, you won't drive 100. Why? Because you know the law sets parameters, and they will only accept certain behavior out of you. You don't let your personality dictate how fast you drive when there's a cop driving next to you. If they say the speed limit is 70, you go 70, not because that's your personality or not your preference. You go 70 because that's the only thing they'll accept. Not doing more than what they told you to do. I want you to understand that your preference about singing is not important. And the fact that you love to sing is, is not always relevant either. Because if you're not serving God, if you're not worshiping God, if you're not singing unto the Lord, then you're just singing. And there is a difference. And it's, it's a worshipful, grateful heart that makes a joyful noise that worships and serves God with gladness, that is willing to sing to him. I know that the majority of Christians do not have a quiet time, and that burdens me. That is, that, is, that is unacceptable, church. If you do not have an appointment set with God that you keep every day, that is unacceptable, and you need to realize that. You just ought to, you just ought to write a big U on your forehead and just let people know, I'm unacceptable in my own mind. I don't accept my own, my own self. I need to do better. The good news about doing better is God will let us do better. You need to have a quiet time. You need, what's a quiet time? It's a time every day where you spend alone with the Lord and you do a, a multitude of things. You read his word. You calm your mind and you think and you let God put thoughts in your mind and you ask him to speak to you. You open your mouth and you talk to him. Praying to God and reading his word is, 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 is not the, the entire thing of a quiet time you need to put some singing in there you need to open your mouth and sing to the Lord well I don't like singing I just told you it doesn't matter God wants you to sing well I'm not a good singer doesn't matter your quiet time is supposed to be private anyway sing privately well I hate the sound of my voice and I, I it, none of that is an excuse for you because I can tell you this we're gonna go we're gonna go home me and my two sons are gonna go home after church and they're gonna take the trash out and it doesn't matter to me if they want to take the trash out. It does not matter to me if, if, if that's what they feel like it, if, if they feel like that that's their highest and best use. It doesn't matter if they feel like that's their gifting. It doesn't matter to me. I, I am the father of my house, and I'm going to tell them to take the trash out, and it has to be done. And there will be severe, well, there will be no consequences because there no, there's no option. It's going to happen. I mean, I, there would be consequences, but there's no sense in that because it's just going to happen. And I want you to start singing to the Lord. You need to sing to the Lord. Whether you love to, whether it's your personality or whether it's not, this is what God has commanded of us. If we say we love him, and I've told you for years, the best gift 
to give someone is the gift that they want, which sometimes is nothing. Don't you, you give some if if somebody listen, well, except men don't believe women, they lie. If a woman says she don't want nothing for her birthday, she lied. If she says she don't like flowers, she lied. But if a man tells you he don't want nothing, he meant he didn't want nothing. Okay, you're all off the hook. But if you really love someone, you should give them the gift that they want. God wants us to do these things. And if we love him, we need to. Verse 3 says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. You got to make up in your mind that, that the person you pray to is the highest God. You need to make it up in your mind that the person that we talk about when we come together is the highest God. You need to know for sure that, the, the, that you are in love with the Lord the God of all creation. The Bible says it is he that has made us and not we ourselves. Now we got to pause on that phrase. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. Too many people are convinced it's about them. Too many people are living life on their own rules too many people are making their own decisions where God has given us 1,189 chapters worth of instruction and, and basis for our faith and how we should live. And we need to live according to this book. We need to live according to the words of Jesus Christ. And he has recorded those words for us. Why? Because he made us and not we ourselves. You are not here based on your ability. You're not on this planet because you did something special to get here. God put you here. You are not who you are based on all the factors that you may add up unless you start with the grace of God. We say stuff like, we, we see hurting people and we say foolish church cliches like, there but for the grace of God go I. If you don't really believe that, then they don't say it. I know people that don't really believe they could be homeless I've had people ask me, Pastor Scott, do you, do you believe that, that you, you could be homeless and, and out on the street? Absolutely. I've dealt with enough people in my lifetime to know the average American is less than 30 days away from not being able to pay their bills. If your income stream was shut off for 30 days, you, you'd be out of gas and, and, and begging, begging your landlord to let you stay. I've seen people whose mind due to tragedy and, and, and death and, and pain and difficulty just mind snapped and just couldn't go to work anymore and just couldn't face another day of normal living. We need to understand that God has been good to us and we need to understand that everything we have is based on God and not ourselves. Too many people have a I made it my way kind of mindset, but it's he that made us and not we ourselves. It goes on to say we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. I like to remind people that it is God's world. He makes the rules. Can you, can you agree with that? It is God's world. He makes the rules. I told y'all, my mom made it very easy on me. I, I did not grow up a Christian. But my mom gave me some principles in life that helped me in Christianity. She never explained anything to me. Her only answer was because I said so. Or a look like, shut up and do it. There was no explaining anything. There was no, why. if you said why to my mother, you either got a bad look, a slap, or because I said so. That was, that was the best things that would come in your way. 
And so I'm not a questioner. I don't have to have an answer to everything. If God tells me to do it, I do it. That, that, that's how I was successful in the military because I know how to do stuff the first time somebody tells me to do something because I realize it's God's world. Well, I don't understand why if God's so loving, if God is so all that, why is there so much pain in the world? I don't have to be able to answer all these questions for you. And you don't have to be able to answer all these questions for anybody else. You don't have to understand God. You just have to obey God. Fall in love with him. Get close to him. Do what the word says. You'll understand him more and more. The Bible says he will take you from one level of glory to another level of glory. He will bring you closer. He will reveal himself more to you. The Bible says he will mold you and shape you into the image of his son. But we got to understand it's his world. He makes the rules. You ought to remind yourself of that daily. You find yourself complaining, criticizing, you need to understand it ain't about me. It's God's world and he makes the rules. I told you all many times, I'll tell you again, ours is not to reason why. Ours is but to do or die. People trying to figure everything out. People trying to make sense of everything. People, people trying to be aggravated and frustrated about stuff. Listen, it's God's world. God makes the rules. The verse 4 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise there is a split in the theological understanding of these two phrases there are some really great theologians that disagree on what this is talking about enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise on the surface and i certainly agree with, with, the, with the surface rendering, on the surface, it appears to be talking about the temple because there were gates that surrounded the entire courtyard which housed everything that allowed people entrance into the temple, which allowed people entrance into the holy place where God was. And it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And I agree with the theological mindset that says you can't even get in the general region of being close to God without thanksgiving. And it says, and into his courts with praise. Enter into his courts with praise. And I agree with people who say you can't get closer to God without a praise. I also agree with the theologians who say that this is not talking specifically in a literal fashion of the temple, but letting people know that there is a process to your approach. And you need to understand there's a process to your approach. If there never been a temple, there's still a process to your approach. There's a process. God puts guidelines on how we do what we do. If you look at a picture, you can Google it. There's great imagery on the Internet of the temple. There's little you know, explanations for every piece of the temple on the internet. But if you look at the temple, there's a gate around everything. And then there's courtyards on the outside of the physical building. Well, the courtyards is where all the praise and all the worship was done. And many theologians believe that this passage where it says enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise is drawing a metaphorical parallel that says the only way that you can truly 
praise God, the only way that you can truly be thankful is if you follow the rules that God has set forth. God said, come into this courtyard to praise me. If you are living a life contrary to the word of God, your praise will fall flat. If you have a heart contrary to the word of God, your praise, your service, your singing, your shouting, your everything will fall flat. God set forth a parameter and an approach in the temple, and there is still a parameter and an approach to God. We've got to be thankful, and we've got to praise, but there is a way to praise God. There is a place to praise God. Then it was the courtyard, specifically. Now it's everywhere you go with a thankful heart and serving him with gladness. I'm glad that God is so gracious. I'm glad that we are not judged harshly. I'm I'm glad that God sees on the inside when man only sees on the outside. Because if he didn't, all of our praise would fall short. All of our service would fall flat. But here's the reality that you've got to know. God knows when you're trying. See, where other people might judge based on perfection... God is a father, and he knows. You ought to know your own children. You ought to know if your children are trying to please you or not, or if they're just faking it. You ought to know if they're trying to butter you up, to con you. You ought to know if they didn't really give their best effort in school this grading period. You ought to know if they really didn't clean their room. You ought to know just by, just by what you see, did my child really put their effort into this? I want to tell you something. As as our Heavenly Father, God knows. He knows your heart. He knows if you're putting your effort into your service to Him. He knows if you're putting your effort into praising Him. If you're thankful, He knows if you're putting your effort into your service. He knows your heart. And without being right, you can't do right. There is an approach. There is a pattern. There is a place. There is a way, and we got to do right and be right to be able to even serve God the way he wants us to. So we got to get our minds together. We got to get our hearts together. We got to decide, you know what? I'm not perfect, but I'm going to start giving God my best. I'm not perfect, but I'm going to start giving God all that I have. I'm not going to be perfect, and I'm going to fall short, but I'm going to get serious about it. And my father knows me, and he's going to see that I'm trying to do better. Are you willing to do better? You're not going to have more if you don't do more. Verse 5 says for, oh, it goes on to say in verse 4, be thankful to him and bless his name. Many translations for that word bless is a Hebrew word barak, which means to kneel down in his presence. Uh, translate that word praise, but literally we should know enough to understand it. It, it, it is literally kneeling. Be thankful to God and kneel at the thought of who he is. I wonder how much knee time you do. I understand health issues. I tore my back up four years ago, and I, I go on and off from this surgery I had of whether or not my back feels better or if it, if, if it feels worse. I've re-injured it since the surgery. I know what, what it feels like to be in pain on my knees. But do you do any knee time before God? 
You want your life to get better? Put more time on your knees. I wonder if you set a clock on your knee time this week, how much knee time you put in. I know the average Christian didn't put in much. And I want to encourage you, get on your knees just at the thought of who God is. Get on your knees and be quiet in his presence. Get on your knees and bow to him. Now, if you're not physically able, God loves you and he understands that. But if you're physically able, the Bible says to be thankful unto him and bless his name. That, phrase, that word bless is the Hebrew word barak, and it means kneel at the thought of who he is. And I want to encourage you to do that this week. Get on your knees and thank God for stuff. There's all types of proper posture for prayer, but the primary posture for prayer is knee praying. Followed by on your face praying. Flat on your belly, face down praying. Why? Because when we realize how big God is, we're willing to make ourselves small. And we get small in his presence to look up to him. And you need to spend time doing what the word says to do. Verse 5 says, for the Lord is good. That word for is, is, is translated in many modern translations because. Why do we do all these things? Because the Lord is good. I don't think the average church member has that in their heart. The Lord is good. If I ask you, is the Lord good, you would say he is. Because that's the religious answer. But if you ask yourself, is God good to you? Your answer might be up and down. Is God good to you? Now, the more you grow in Christ, the more you're going to see that he is good to you. The longer you stick around, I, I hate to call people out because, you know, we're all, we're all sinners and we're all in our process. But I thank God for Miss B. I thank God for the joy that she has for the Lord. I thank God that she's willing to give God praise for stuff. I thank God that she realizes that it's God's goodness that allows her to even be in church. We don't always realize how good God is. But I want you to start realizing how good God is, and I want that to be your confession. God is good. And it says his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Almost every other version for that last, that last phrase, truth, it says his faithfulness endures to all generations. I want you to know God is going to survive 2016. God is going to survive you, me, and everything. He will continue to be truthful. He will continue to be faithful to all generations. As long as there is a world, God will be faithful over it. And when there's an eternity, God will be faithful over that. So you don't need to worry about what's going on in the world. You just need to realize it's God's world. He makes the rules. I'm just glad he lets me love him, and I'm going to do what he tells me to do. I can sum all that up by saying this. Stop complaining. And start being thankful. Stop complaining and start being thankful. It's always for me going to come down to a very few key things. Because I'm a very traditional old time preacher. And I'm always going to stay with the truth. And it's always going to come down to a very few fundamental things. And it's like the, psalm, or the hymn writer said, count your blessings, name them one by one. 
and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. If you rehearse your complaints and grind on them, then you're just going to be the most miserable of all men. You need to count, your, you need to rehearse your blessings more than you just grind on your complaints. You need to rehearse the goodness of God. You need to tell God every day. I'm th- I love the way Janet gives God praise for, for, for just loving him. Just being able to love him. We ought to, we ought to give God praise just to be able to be in church and to tell him that we love him. We ought to give God praise just for having the rightness of mind to know I need to be more thankful to God. I need to open up my mouth and give God some type of praise. But too many people are counting their complaints. They're counting their sorrows. They're counting their woes. And we need to realize God is good. We, we wouldn't have anything if it was not for the Lord who was on our side. And God knows what he's doing. This is about him. It's not about us. I... Seth told me last night that he was glad. He hears me talk about these millennials. He said, Dad, aren't you glad I'm not a millennial? I said, yes, son. Because I don't, I don't know about these millennials. I don't know, Victor. You're in that millennial generation, ain't you? No? You too old for that? Too young for that? Somewhere in the middle? Listen, these people that, that, that are always expecting to get their way, that's one thing I love about old people. We've been, through some, we've been through some stuff we didn't get our way over. We've been told no before. You want to see the hallmark of immaturity? Go take the nur- turn in the nursery one time. Well, what do two and three-year-olds want? Their way and everything. Mine. Mine. Take a toy from a baby and say, mine. That baby brought that toy in here. How is that yours? Because that's just the way the immature brain thinks. I want everything. I want my way all the time. As you get older, you understand. Sometimes God's greatest blessing is telling you no. Sometimes God's greatest deliverance is in not letting you have your way. Young people don't get that. But we got to get to the place where we believe. He knows. And he's good. But you got to get to the place where you believe that He is good to you. His mercy is everlasting. I thank God for mercy. The biblical concept of mercy is that of a judge not giving you that which you deserve. And I have never wanted what I had coming to me. People are like, I can't wait till he gets his. I do not expect to ever get mine. Just know that. If you're waiting on me to get mine, I've never expected to get mine. Because I serve a loving and a merciful and a forgiving God who is my father. My father's the judge. How am I going to get mine? Y'all ain't heard of nepotism? Y'all don't, y'all don't know it's good to be related to the judge? Y'all don't understand? My father sits on the... Th- I'm not going to get what I got coming to me. I'm going to get mercy. If you want mercy, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to realize that your father is the judge. And you need to be merciful to other people. Because the same way you dole it out, the same way you're going to get it back. People are like, well, Pastor, you preach hard against stuff. Listen, I told you all before, the way I preach about Scripture, I I read the Scripture and cause it to make sense. When I'm dealing with human beings outside of this pulpit, y'all need to sit in on some some of my counseling sessions. I, I can remember my own sister. My own sister has sat with tense 
witness in her before because sometimes she'll be in there and be the witness. And, and the people will leave. And, and she has said this so many times that she's like, I don't know why I get tense. You're, all, you're always so kind and so loving. People listen to the preaching here, they'd be like, and people come in my office like, I'm just scared to be here. I feel like I'm in the principal's office. I don't know. I feel I, I'm just, it's intimidating. Man, I, 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 I will love you beyond capacity for most people to, I will forgive everybody. I'm the first person to say I'm sorry and try to reconcile with somebody. Always. Why? Because I need God's forgiveness. And the Bible says if I don't give, forgive other people, he won't forgive me. So I know that God's mercy is everlasting because I'm leaning on it. I hope you're leaning on it. I hope you're pulling on God's mercy. You say, well, how do I know if I'm pulling on it? You asking him for it? Are you asking God for mercy? Or are you just getting what life doles out to you? I want mercy. I do not want what's coming to me. I want better because my father has it all, and I'm willing to ask him to be what, what, did, what did Jesus say? Two people praying and I'm done. Get this. Don't miss this. Two people praying and I'm done. One person praying in the church. Jesus, Jesus watching two people praying in the church. One person praying all high prayers, big sounding, fancy, churchy kind of prayers. And the other person just falls on their knees and says, please be merciful to me, God, because I'm just a sinner. And Jesus said, that's the person that went away right. That person right there is the one. That, that my father listened to. You need to be crying out to God, please be merciful to me, God, because I am just a sinner. I am, I, am, I am in my process, God, and you know I need your mercy. His truth, his faithfulness endures to all generations. I've said it myself. I'm guilty of it. I repent of it. I know what people mean when they say, I wouldn't want to be raising kids in this generation. I know what you mean when you say that. I'm raising kids in this generation. I've said that of my, my own kids. Uh, but you know what? God is faithful to this generation. I talk about the millennials because they're just a weird crowd. But you know what? God is going to be faithful to the millennials. He is going to offer them love. He is going to offer them mercy. He is going to offer them forgiveness. He is going to be good to every generation. See, we got, we got some of every generation. Let me, let me give you a hint. If you are, if you, are you know, considerably older than me, you, you're part of the great generation. If, if you're my age, uh, you are a, if you're just my age or a little older than me, you're a baby boomer. If you're younger than me, you're not a baby boomer. We don't really know what you are, but you're somewhere between a buster and, and, and a gen something. Okay? Y'all keep changing what you, gen X, gen Y. Uh, listen, whatever generation you think you're a part of, God will be faithful to you if you would let him. And he will pour his mercy out on you. And that's never going to stop. As long as life goes on, God is going to be good, and he is going to be faithful. And I hope that you will begin to do the things that this psalm tells you to do. Make a loud, joyful noise to God. Worship God. Serve him with gladness. Sing to the Lord. Understand that it's about God, not about us. Understand that it's his world. He makes the rules. You can't get close to him without thanksgiving. You can't get next to him without praise. You need to be thankful and get on your knees in his presence. And you need to understand above all things that he is good, that mercy never stops, and he's always faithful.
we sing a song that said, Faithful to me, God of glory, God of grace. Do you understand that the God that we serve is faithful to you? He's faithful to you. He says, even if our heart condemns us, God is faithful and he won't deny himself. Even when we don't feel great about stuff, God still loves us. This is the God of the Bible. I hope you love him, and I hope you'll do what he tells you to do. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Help us, God, to be thankful. Help us, God, to praise you. Help us, God, to spend time on our knees and to do what your word tells us to do. Lord, we want to be close to you. Help us, God, to honor you with our lives through our obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.